Welcome one and all to episode 136 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox, with me tonight in his solemn state, my co-host Justin Higdon. And Justin, um, it's officially, completely, and totally upside down at this point, no? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, first of all, I hope everybody that's listening out there had a good Thanksgiving. Um, I think things were going pretty well for me up until Saturday when, of course, uh, Ohio State got just manhandled by Michigan. And then I I saw, um, as I was telling Seth and and our producer Robert off the air, I saw my Heisman Trophy bet, my $50 bet on C.J. Stroud at 40-1 to probably dissolve into thin air because Bryce Young hit that that game-time pass. And then it went to overtime, and Alabama ended up winning the game. It looks like it's going to be Bryce Young winning the Heisman or maybe some fluky thing like Aiden Hutchinson winning it, and we'll talk more about him this week. But, uh, yeah, now we've got these coaching hires. We've got uh, Lincoln Riley. He's going to USC. We've got Brian Kelly jumping from Notre Dame to LSU, even though Notre Dame has a shot at the playoffs right now. And now there's speculation of who might be the Notre Dame coach. Is it going to be Luke Fickle? Would he jump also in the middle of a playoff run? I'm not sure, and I don't think so. So uh, we've got a lot to talk about this week on the show. On the regular show, we're going to talk about uh, the top four, the playoff picture, um, a couple of uh, – we've got some senior bowl acceptances we'll talk about, and then a couple other topics. And then we're going to, on the Patreon show this week, just $2 a month, On the Patreon show, we're going to cover all the championship game previews. So it's a packed week for us, and it's uh, constant moving parts. So some of this, we might uh, hear something while we're actually recording, or some of the things that we say tonight might be erased by some other crazy coaching moves. So uh, it'll be interesting this week, Seth. Yeah, but let's get into the top four, uh, because, well, top five probably doesn't matter. I mean, we might need to know it if if one of these teams, again— doesn't show up, but number one with a bullet. And I think the team that the playoff committee is hoping loses the most, and that's Georgia. And and we'll get to why in a second, but uh, Georgia, number one, I think they're undisputed. No questions asked. Um, number two, the team that just looked more physically dominant than, than your Buckeyes on, on Saturday, the, the Michigan Wolverines. And it's been, Quite a bit of time since they were actually good, right? Well, it's they, they've been good, but they haven't beat Ohio State since 2011. So it was, uh, and that was when Luke Fickle was the interim head coach <clears throat> between Jim Trestle and Urban Meyer. So it was a long time. I I felt like it would never end, but it, it did. And Michigan was absolutely dominant on both uh, sides of the line of scrimmage. Their defensive line dominated Ohio State's offensive line. We'll talk more about that in a few. Their offensive line just dominated Ohio State's defensive line, and they ran all over Ohio State. And it, they didn't even need to to have um, much in the passing game. But when they did, they were able to open it up just enough that Ohio State couldn't just pack the box. And, and uh, Ohio State's defense didn't respond. Uh, as well as their offense played all year, they just couldn't keep up because the defense couldn't get off the field. So uh, Michigan... I think I'm I think we're putting them at number two right now because Alabama looked vulnerable in their 
Iron Bowl victory against Auburn, a 6-5 and five Auburn team. You know, Alabama was on the ropes and almost blew their shot like Ohio State did. And then we've got uh, – so we're going to have them at number three because they're still Bama. And if anybody can beat Georgia, it's it's them. And we've been saying that all year, right? Yep. And, and like I said, I think the committee wants this upset because especially if it's a close game and Bama wins, I think – I think getting, you know, I I assume what they'll do is they'll finagle it some way to where Bama and Georgia would play again in the championship. Or maybe they'll just do a crazy thing, put Michigan at one, um, put Georgia and Bama at two, three, and then leave our number four team, Cincinnati, at four. Um, and And that way... They are guaranteed that they get the rematch of of Bama Georgia. I think the worst thing possible for the committee is Bama gets blown out, and they have to raise up either uh, a Notre Dame team that's now without their head coach, or, and that doesn't have a conference championship game to worry about this week, right? Or uh, an Oklahoma State team who is a good team. If they beat um, Baylor, if they if if they beat Baylor, mm-hmm. I think the worst case scenario for the for the committee would be Michigan losing, Bama losing, and um, and then you have to put in North uh, Notre Dame and Oklahoma State along with Cincinnati, right? Like, well, well if, Georgia- if, if Michigan loses, you might have a you might have a 10 and two uh, Iowa team, right? Or an 11 and two Iowa team. That's a possibility. Yeah. Because I mean, they, they like having conference champions in here, but it really you're, you're hundred percent right. If, if uh, Michigan loses, if Alabama loses, then this whole thing's a big, uh, a big cluster. And, you know, it opens up a lot of possibilities. Do they, do they try and wedge a two loss non non division winning Ohio state in, do they try? I mean, what kind of shenanigans do they try to pull? And and uh, you know, we can move on to this. Like, does Bama have to beat Georgia to stay in? I'm not so sure that they do. If it's a close, tough game, because then I think you could legitimately see a situation where Bama drops to three. You know, we don't know the rankings as of our recording. We don't know how it's going to rank on Tuesday evening, but you could see. A scenario where two loss Bama is the first two loss ever team to get in, and they're the four seed with the rematch against Georgia, like you said. This weekend, a guy that we've talked about all season put on maybe the most dominant defensive display we've seen in. I, I mean, I don't want to be too hyperbolic on this, but maybe since Indomitian Sue in that Texas game, right? In the, what was that, the Big 12 championship back when it was that still the Big 12 when he did that? Correct. Remember. Yeah. It, it was at least what's now known as the Big 12. You know, Nebraska had, uh, you know, Nebraska facing Texas with Colt McCoy at quarterback and Sue had a, had a day. I mean, just an, an incredible performance in that game. 
and it had people talking about him and the Heisman. And now you've got, because of the situation where you have no quarterback who has taken it by the reins, there's no, uh, like, even if you look at, at Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, neither one of them have done anything with, with their legs. It's always, there's always a little bit of a running element by the quarterback involved in recent years. You could go down to Kenneth Walker, the running back for, for Michigan State, but they've had a couple losses. He was completely shut down by Ohio State when they played a couple weeks ago. Uh, and you don't have any, uh, any uh, you're st- it's still up in the air who's even the Bolitnikoff winner among receivers. So there's no Devontae Smith type of receiver sticking out. So you've got people talking about defensive players. And Aiden Hutchinson had the game of his life. In the snow, in you know, in the big noon kickoff game, the the game, the rivalry game, Ohio State Michigan, and for all of Ohio State's success over the past twenty years, this game, this rivalry still favors Michigan overall in terms of record. So, huge, huge performance. Three sacks. Uh, the guy was just completely dominant. Even on their touchdown, uh, when C.J. Stroud hit a screen pass to Travion Henderson for a touchdown in that game, Hutchinson was—he literally got a finger on that ball. You know, he—he he was this close to ruining that play for them too. He was—it didn't matter whether he's facing Nicholas Petit Freer or whether he's facing Dewan Jones or whether he's facing uh, Thayer Munford, who unceremoniously just got completely pancaked on one play uh, that I can remember. So it didn't matter what tackle they threw out there. Those Ohio State tackles stood no chance against Hutchinson. And they had trouble with Ojabo, too. In his latest mock draft, Joe Marino of uh, the Draft Network has Hutchinson going number one overall. Now, you and I have talked about Kayvon Thibodeau and and talked about how he's came into the year number one. He hasn't really done anything to lose that position. But is this just a case of a guy exploding onto the scene and, I mean, quite frankly, having a better season than another guy? And, and you know, he is a freak of nature as well. Right. I don't think it's just a case of a guy bursting onto the scene because – you know, we had that really bizarre 2020 college football season, but there were people in the draft community that people that know scouts and, and things like that, that were surprised that Aiden Hutchinson returned to Michigan this year because they thought he was already a first rounder and he didn't have the numbers that he has. Obviously what he's done this year is just incredible. 13 sacks, and counting because they still have the Big Ten championship game and a bowl game, whether it's a playoff game or just a, a, a another New Year's bowl. So he's got a chance to have, you know, end up the season with like Chase Young type of numbers where, you know, he a couple of years ago he had 16 and a half sacks, I think, for Ohio State. So as you mentioned too, Hutchinson is a freak athlete. You know, Bruce Feldman has this well documented over at The Athletic. So he's expected to run a sub 4740. He's 6'6, 265. That would be phenomenal. He's expected to have like a 36 to 38 inch vertical, an insane three cone. This guy has all the. Uh, he's been compared to the Watt brothers. 
and he actually looks very similar to them if we can believe those athleticism numbers and, and with the production that he's put forth. He's going to win Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. He's still only he's only 21 years old. He just turned 21 in August, so there's no issue there. Um, I think it's going to be you know I I know Joe uh, put him at at number one in this mock, and I'm not sure that's going to happen. But I think it's a fair conversation to have at this point because Kayvon Thibodeau has I think six sacks on the year. He didn't uh, he he didn't really create an impact in the Oregon State game. He's had he had some injury issues this year and I think he's going to be a phenomenal player but when you look at production Hutchinson he's got the recent you know explosive production that people are going to look at you know if you look at body of work I'm not sure it's that much different even though Thibodeau was better right as a true freshman but uh, this is a, a conversation that I'm sure not just people like you and me are, are going to, not just people like you and I are going to have, but people like in NFL front offices, in, in uh, draft war rooms are going to have this conversation because Hutchinson's just had that good of a season. I, I do wonder as well if the fact that, you know, he is right now, it seems like, a, like you said, a little more put together. Um, Thibodeau's gained weight. We've discussed that on this show. But he still is leaner when you say, like, looks leaner than Hutchinson. Right. He's 6'5". Uh, he's listed at 6'5", 250, but he does still look leaner than Hutchinson. Hutchinson looks like, you know, I, I don't remember J.J. Watt's uh, measurables in terms of height, weight coming out of uh, Wisconsin. I think he was closer to 280 or above. But his brother, T.J., you know, who is who is a superstar at Wisconsin – and who's been a phenomenal pass rusher for the Steelers. I think there's probably a fair comparison there in terms of, of their build. And I know it wasn't that long ago on this show that we were discussing, is Hutchinson the best pass rusher on his own team? Because David Ajabo has been phenomenal this year as well. He had a sack Saturday too. And he was a lot to handle. If if it wasn't for uh, Hutchinson, I think maybe Ajabo might have had another sack or two in that game if it wasn't for his teammate getting there first. So it's uh, what you're looking at are two special pass rushers coming off uh, out of the same team. And I think that's why uh, they, they certainly put uh, Michigan into a rare, uh, into a rare scenario for the school where it's their first big 10 championship game and potentially their first appearance in the playoffs. And um, it's these two guys I've watched Michigan all year. And and they have some other you know some other players that, that are big time contributors uh, like running back Hassan Haskins for example. But it's these two guys, Jabo Hutchinson. They're dr- the driving force behind this team, and and I, I've just been uh, so impressed with them. On Saturday, one of the big things that you know happened wasn't just Alabama struggling, but it was struggling so bad without Jamison Williams. Um, he was ejected for a targeting call. Are you with the targeting call? Yes or no? I, it doesn't matter. That's not... We don't really take it in, into consideration from for anything other than, you know, he missed the game. However, it showed what 
type of dynamic talent he is and how much they struggled without him. Before the game, there was already starting to become a conversation on whether or not um, he was the wide receiver one in this class over Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. What is your opinion on that, that situation? And, you know, will it be a case of the fact that Ohio State has three guys that are, you know, projected to be first-round picks or, you know, top, we'll say, 50 picks at the wide receiver position? Um, will that hurt? Um, them over a guy like Williams, who's really, you know, burst on the scene as the guy. Yeah, so I think this is going to be a, a very interesting thing to watch because Jameson Williams transferred to another powerhouse college football team and Alabama just so happened to have openings at receiver this year. So it allowed Jameson Williams to not only come in he, he stepped right in as the number two guy. And then he became the number one guy over John Mechie. So props to him for that. But the reality of the situation is had he stayed at Ohio State, and he knew this, he would have been the wide receiver four on that team. Garrett Wilson is the, number, is the, is the top receiver on that team. Chris Olave is the number two receiver, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, the true sophomore, is the slot. And you can look at what those guys did this year. Smith and Jigba leads the team in catches and yards. Garrett Wilson it is over 1,000 yards as well. And both Wilson and Olave have scored at least 12 touchdowns. So there's no weak link in that top three. Where was Jamison Williams going to fit in on that Ohio State team? He didn't. He did not fit in. You you can look uh, two years ago, it was only Wilson and Olave making catches. Jeremy Rucker was the third receiver, the third leading receiver on that team with like 13 catches. This year, they were able to open it up and involve three big-time receivers. They got Rucker more involved. They got Travion Henderson involved. But Jameson Williams would have been still on the outside looking in in terms of targets. He did what was right for him. He went to a another big time program. He proved he can be a star too. So it's not that he's not good. I think he's very good. It's just that I still think that he as in terms of all around game, I still think uh, Wilson and Olave are better. I think Wilson is the wide receiver one in this class. I think Jameson Williams has moved into the conversation for it uh, as far as top five receivers in this class, but you can't, Forget, you still have Drake London. You still have Traylon Burks, people are talking about. You still have David Bell from Purdue. There are a lot of very, very talented. You got Jahan Dotson. There are a lot of very talented receivers in this class. And I think it's a little bit of recency bias to to take Jameson Williams, who would have been Ohio State's fourth receiver, all the way up to the number one or number two receiver in the class. Now, one thing that he has going for him is he's probably the fastest of this bunch of all the guys I just mentioned. He's probably the closest one to running a 40 time similar to like Jalen Waddle or Henry Ruggs. 
you know, that or, or Paris Campbell a couple of years ago, that low 4-3, high 4-2. But does that make him the wide receiver one in this class? I don't think so. But I also say this too. Williams, uh, Jameson Williams was ejected because of targeting that he got while covering a punt, right? So this is a player also who's shown that he can return kickoffs. He's covering punts. He's very versatile. NFL teams are going to like that too. So I think there is going to be, or there are going to be a couple teams who fall in love with Jameson Williams and might actually put him ahead of, of some of his uh, old teammates, which it doesn't really make sense to me, but it will in the minds of the scouting world because that's just how things work. Senior Bowl had some more acceptances this week. Uh, Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis. We already talked about Bailey Zappi. Um, when you look at those names, no surprises really, right? No, but those are those are big gets. You know, if, if Malik Willis and Desmond Ritter really do show up at the Senior Bowl and, and uh, get into those practices, that's going to be great for them because we rarely, rarely see – where a senior bowl appearance hurts a guy. It's usually just gushing, uh, fawning media coverage of these quarterbacks when they get there. You know, I could name a hundred names that didn't really deserve the fawning coverage, but they get it because they're there and the media, the, the football media swarms there. So uh, good for these guys. I think, of those three, Ritter is obviously the most likely to drop out because his team has a potential for a deep playoff run. Uh, I think Cincinnati will lose in the first round of the playoffs. If, if they get in, they have to beat Houston this weekend to do so. But let's say they pull off a, a crazy upset and uh, Ritter and company get to the championship game, then there's probably little chance that he actually plays in that senior bowl and there's probably not much reason for him to do so if he went if he gets the championship game so anyway those are three three good gets for jim Nagy. uh you know you and i have talked about it on the show was the senior bowl gonna lose guys to the shrine bowl because vegas because it's vegas baby so far not that's not happening uh i think it's and I think we mentioned this, it might take a couple of years for the Shrine to uh, put a dent in the prestige of the Senior Bowl. But for now, the Senior Bowl is still looking like the prestige game, and they got three top senior quarterbacks there. You know, even if Zappi is, is kind of borderline for us, he's still somebody that the NFL is very interested in. You have to imagine uh, Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, and Sam Howell will be the other three, right? I think so. I'm not 100% sure that Corral is eligible, but he's a fourth-year junior. And I've read that he's on track to graduate with his class. Now, does that mean December graduation or does that mean spring, in which case he wouldn't be eligible? Um, And that's my understanding also with Carson Strong. Is that he's set to <clears throat> he's set to graduate in May, uh, as far as I can tell, and that would make mean that he's not going to be eligible. Uh, I really uh, Jim Nagy's been really close to the vest about some of these guys, uh, so I haven't been able to find much. Uh, 
However, I kind of have my doubts that Corral is eligible because I did see where Nagy said that Howell will be eligible. So that really makes me think Sam Howell's going to be on on the list. Kenny Pickett for sure has to be uh, under consideration. It's just going to be a matter of will he will he or won't he go. And I, if I had to guess, I think he already has a, a, an invitation. But, you know, he's got the ACC championship game ahead of him. Um, phenomenal season. Uh, both uh, both uh, Kenny Pickett and Bailey Zappi have over 40 touchdowns this year. So uh, those those guys will be good gets. It's going to be we'll, – we'll see how they fill those, those holes. It looks like they're going to go back to six. Uh, quarterbacks. I think that's what they did last year. A few years back, they did eight, but it doesn't look like they're going to uh, to go that far with it. So, um, that's those would be you know, Pickett, Corral, Hal would be my guess as how he fills that final six. But you then you've got to start thinking about uh, who are going to be the reserves because one or two of those guys might opt out or be injured. What what have you? So. Uh, it, it, I'm curious to see how that works because as you and I have talked about all season long, we don't think this is a very deep uh, or very good quarterback class as it relates you know, to NFL starting prospects. You got a hot take for us? Well, I, it's not really a hot take, but it's pertinent to what's really going on in college football right now. And as soon as I saw uh, Brian Kelly take the LSU job, which happened just a couple hours before we started to tape, I started thinking about all the college football transfers, all the transfer quarterbacks that have gone into the the portal in the last couple of days. So I said, which transfer quarterback does Brian Kelly bring to LSU with him? And I got a few replies. I got, uh, someone said Spencer Rattler. Well, I think Notre Dame actually did offer him. So maybe Brian Kelly's still interested in Rattler. Um, somebody said Kyle McCord, which is funny because he has not entered the transfer portal. But with C.J. Stroud coming back next year and uh, Quinn Ewers also on that roster for Ohio State, maybe, maybe McCord transfers. He was the backup this year for Ohio State, though, so... Um, you know, I'm hoping as an Ohio State fan that he sticks around one more year at least. <clears throat> and then somebody said Jack Miller, who is Ohio State's third stringer this year. Jack Miller, he's from your neck of the woods, right? Yep. So someone said Jack Miller. Jack Miller favorited that tweet. So could we see Jack Miller transferring to LSU to play with Brian Kelly? Another OSU to LSU pipeline, like we saw with Joe Burrow a few years ago, that was magic, and it ended up in a national championship. So, never know. I think uh, Jack Miller quickly unliked that tweet, but I caught the screenshot. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Got, they've got a uh, five-star quarterback, Walker Howard. Now, this isn't us trying to get into Dynasty or anything like that, but... Or Debbie League, I guess, is what they would be. But, like, when you look at it, right, Getting a having a guy like Miller for a year or two 
And then you've got the hometown kid from Lafayette, Louisiana, Walker Howard coming in. You'd have to figure that'd be the that'd be ideal, right? Yeah, you're talking uh, about a bridge. You know, like nobody wants to. Nobody that's a contender wants to really start a true freshman. Like uh, Oklahoma did it this year, but it was out of necessity, not out of intent. Um, Ohio State toyed around with possibly Kyle McCord winning the job, but ultimately C.J. Stroud, who'd been there for a year was the guy who took the bull by the horns and had a great year. So, yeah, uh, look at Michigan. Uh, Cade McNamara is their starter, even though J.J. McCarthy is a five-star, a, a, a stud in the waiting. Like, McCarthy looks like he's going to be a great player. But every team wants a bridge, uh, ideally. And even Bryce Young for Alabama had that bridge last year with Mac Jones. So, yeah, it makes sense, especially from a, a, a team – uh, that's as well coached at the position as Ohio State. I mean, I don't know if uh, if Jack Miller maybe he accidentally liked a tweet, but whatever it is, I saw it and uh, I thought it was noteworthy to uh, discuss on this after such a crazy weekend with all the coaching changes and all the people entering the transfer portal. It's you know we're in the wild west of college football. And it's great. Anything else before we get out of here? No, just uh, thanks to everybody for listening. And uh, again, if you want to sign up for for our Patreon, it's uh, two bucks a month. And uh, that gets you the bonus episode every week. Four bucks a month will get you the bonus episode plus any articles, any rankings that we do. Um, We'll have a little extra time between the two of us, I think, in December and January to do a little bit extra analysis. So we're hoping to uh, kind of expand on what we've been doing. But uh, it's been a great season, really fun. I'm glad we came back and did this uh, because it's just been a blast. Yes, thank you to all the patrons. Thank you to those of you that listen to the podcast on the free days. We're excited about what's coming up. Uh, A lot of previews, a lot of prospect conversations to get us ready for the 2022 NFL draft, which should be a really interesting one with all the quarterback questions. But as Justin said, give our patron um, a subscription. You'll get the extra show for $2 a month. Uh, And then if you just want to continue to follow us, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or sorry, Twitter, Instagram, all of those things uh, will be, you know, following around and, uh, making sure to give you great content and coverage heading into the draft season. Thanks as always for listening. We'll be back later this week with the Patreon episode. We need to do an outro at some point that just something kind of what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's $2 a month for our bonus episodes, $4 a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right there. A read, yeah. That's it. Exactly.